The Buffalo Bills invested second-round picks in consecutive years on A.J. Epinesa and Boogie Basham. What have they produced? What does the film say? What is their trajectory? I'm breaking that down today on Locked on Bills. You are Locked on Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino, author of Go Bills and Buffalo's Run, also the co-host of the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast, and I'm your host of Locked On Bills. want to thank you for making Locked On Bills your first listen every day, and a big welcome and shout-out to our everydayers. You know who you are. Those of you who never miss a single episode, I appreciate y'all being here very, very much. I'd also like to invite you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every day. Well, folks, as part of the introduction every day, I share that I'm the author of Go Bills and Buffalo's Run. And I had a conversation yesterday with the publisher of Go Bills, and they have informed me that there's not a lot of copies left. Only a few hundred copies remain until they sell out And it could be a few years until we reprint them and have more inventory. So if you're looking to get a copy, I'd encourage you to do so very quickly because they are going to be gone soon. And you can do that by visiting buffalobillsbook.com. Get yourself a copy of Go Bills. It's me telling the entire story of the Buffalo Bills year by year, a book that I'm very proud of, some great illustrations in there. Check it out, buffalobillsbook.com. All right, folks, we're talking A.J. Epinesa and Boogie Basham here today on the podcast, something I've teased all week long. Now it's time to have this conversation. And honestly, for a few months now, I've wanted to have this A.J. Epinesa, Boogie Basham conversation, and and today is that day. And these are two players that the Bills drafted in the second round in consecutive years. They both play defensive end. And it's probably accurate to say that neither player to this point has met the promise of being a second-round pick. And these two players and how they've panned out to this point has led to fans questioning, and in my opinion, unfairly, the ability of Brandon Bean's staff to scout defensive ends and Eric Washington's ability to coach defensive line despite both Bean and Washington having plenty of success stories that you can point to that indicate that's simply not true. So on today's podcast, we're going to dive into these two players, focus on how they've produced to this point, what the film reveals, and use that to consider what we can expect from them in 2023. Now let's start by setting the stage, and we'll begin with A.J. Epinesa, who was a 2020 second-round pick number 54 overall. He's 24 years old, and in September, he turns 25. And of course, he's entering the fourth and final year of his rookie contract. Last season, he played in 15 games with two starts on the field for 38% of the defensive snaps and was statistically pretty good. Again, remember, only 38% of snaps, he collected six and a half sacks, seven tackles for loss, 26 pressures, five pass breakups, and two forced fumbles. 
Now we're going to get into the film in the next segment, but that raw production in 2022 is a significant bump from what he delivered in his first two seasons. Like I mentioned, he had six and a half sacks last year. Over his first two seasons combined, he had two and a half sacks. He had seven tackles for loss last year. He had five tackles for loss across his first two seasons combined. Five pass breakups last year, two across his first two seasons combined, and he forced two fumbles last year after not forcing a single fumble in his first two seasons. Now, Epinesa isn't everything we want him to be, but he's still young, and he's coming off what was clearly his most impactful season. At a minimum right now, I would say that he's a passable defensive end four for a team like the Bills that rotate their defensive linemen a lot. A player that I think represents, at a minimum, quality depth. Now, that's not exactly what you're hoping for as a second-round pick. I get that, especially in a draft where he was the first pick that you made. But he's at least reasonable depth in a rotation-heavy front commanding 25 to 35% of snaps. And I think there's a case that the arrow is pointing up given what he's been through so far to his in his career, whether it was the body transformation that he's underwent across multiple seasons and, of course, his rookie season being the COVID year. So I feel pretty decent about where A.J. Epinesa is at. And we'll, like I said, we'll get more into the film in the next segment but there's some encouragement in terms of how I view Epinesa and how I think he can deliver in his contract season. As for Boogie Basham, a 2021 second-round pick, number 61 overall, so they picked Epinesa in 2020 in the second round, Basham in the second round in 2021, not to mention the first-round pick in 2021 was Greg Rousseau, also a defensive end, so a ton of premium draft capital in 2020 and 2021 on defensive ends. And I think that's what really prompts a lot of the microscope that's been placed on these two players and the criticisms that have been extended to Washington and Bean because of them. All while you've paid Von Miller, you've now signed Leonard Floyd, there's just been a lot of investments there. But Basham's 25, he turns 26 in December. So despite being picked a year after Epinesa, he's a year older. He's entering the third season out of four on his rookie deal. Last season, he played in 15 games, didn't start any games, on the field for 39% of snaps, collected two sacks, one tackle for loss, and 18 pressures. So very similar amount of snaps. Actually, Basham played a few more snaps than Epinesa did. But obviously, Epinesa was astronomically more productive. And looking back on Basham last year, he was he was a pretty quiet player. Had some okay moments. Had a few splash plays early on. He looked decent. But for the most part, I thought he was disappointing. And for a lot of stretches, he looked like a replacement level rotational defensive end, which is, again, obviously not what you had in mind when he was picked in the second round. And so now that we've kind of set the stage here, in the next segments, I want to focus in on what the film reveals about 
Epinesa and Basham, and then we can project them moving forward. That's coming up next. But first, our partners over at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Football host Vinny Iyer to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week all season long. Whether you're prepping for a draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week we're going to provide you players that are a guaranteed fit for your roster. So with draft prep underway for the upcoming season, let's see who Vinny has picked out for us on this week's eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. When making the first overall pick in fantasy football drafts in 2023, 49ers running back Christian McCaffrey is a guaranteed fit. Alfie McCaffrey is guaranteed to see well more than 300 touches again in his first full season in San Francisco and is the centerpiece of the 49ers offensive engine. McCaffrey checks all the boxes, including his talent and usage, high floor and ceiling. Run with CMC as the guaranteed fit at number one for a smooth ride to another year of big numbers. With eBay guaranteed fit and over 122 million parts and accessories for your vehicle, right at your fingertips, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Air filters, brakes, batteries, tail lamps, alternators, shocks, struts, you name it, eBay Motors has it. And they'll make sure it's the right fit for your car because eBay Guaranteed Fit helps you understand exactly what part you need for your vehicle the first time. So go forth, switch gears, crank the AC, and say goodbye to sweating if your ride needs a little fixing up. Because right now, you know you'll always be set up for success from the get-go. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, everything your vehicle is calling for is just a click away. For the parts and accessories that fit your vehicle, just look for the green check. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices at ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay Motors guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, folks, let's get into the A.J. Epinesa film. And the first game that I watched of his was the Minnesota Vikings game. And I thought that was going to be a great opportunity. He played like over 50 snaps because I think Rousseau was out for that one. And two good tackles in Christian Darasaw, who got injured in the game, and then also Brian O'Neill, the right tackle. Of course, I watched other games, Miami uh, being one of them, New England being another one of them. Uh, but I really, my first watch, my first exposure was that that Vikings game. I thought that would be a great, a great one to look at. And so let's talk about what I liked. And then I'll talk about some of my concerns from the film, and then we'll do the same thing for Boogie Basham in the next segment. But what did I like about A.J. Epinesa? I think the first thing is his ability to play with extension. And that's one of the hallmark traits of A.J. Epinesa is length, long arms. And he makes his length matter with his ability to play with extension. And I think that shows up both as a run defender and as a pass rusher. As a run defender, it allows him to lock, peak, shed the block, right? He does a good job of getting his hands placed, extending his arms, finding the football, disengaging, and putting himself in position to maintain his run fit or finish a play. I like that extension ability in the run game. As a pass rusher, it's everything for him. His entire pass rush plan, if you will, is predicated on his length, that long arm. When he's able to 
extend that one arm and build off of that with that one arm stab. That's where his bread and butter works. And he's got a pretty firm punch, does an okay job of converting speed to power, and that allows him to really collapse and challenge the width of the pocket and try to compress and really close things around the quarterback. And it's not that he has a ton of counters or anything like that, but because he can play with that extension, it allows him to get the offensive tackle off balance and then work from there, whether it's working back inside, clubbing and coming around the outside corner, he's got options, and it's all because of his length and how he utilizes that. That's going to be his bread and butter as a football player in the NFL. Extension, length, and I just explained how it shows up as a run defender and how it shows up when rushing the passer. That's the first thing that stood out to me when watching A.J. Epinesa. From there, I was really impressed with his ability to impact throwing windows. And even before I was aware that he broke up five passes in 2022, it was something that I wrote down. And it was nice to see that the box score backed up what my eyes were showing me. He does a nice job of if he's not going to be able to get home or if it's going to be a quick throw where the quarterback's going to set his feet and get the ball out very quickly, it's a good job of getting his hands up and batting down some passes, but also just affecting that quarterback, knowing that they have to throw around him. So I always appreciate defensive linemen, pass rushers that are intentional about, hey, if you're not going to get home, get your hands up and affect the quarterback in a different way. And A.J. Epinesa does that well. And so a tall, long guy, he can really make an impact in that capacity. And you saw that show up quite a bit in 2022. The next thing that stood out in terms of things that I liked was his hand placement. And I think his hand placement allows him to maximize his length. And whether it's the hand placement with his one-arm stab, with his bull rush, uh, with his hand placement in terms of using them to lift elbows and wrists, right? Those are vulnerable. When you're going up against an offensive tackle and they throw their hands at you, you have to think about where they're most vulnerable, and that's their elbow and the wrist. If you can control those joints, it's going to be hard for them to win with their hands. And, and winning in the trenches in the NFL, O-line, D-line is about low pads and violent hands. And if you can use those things and deploy them effectively, you're going to have a chance to win a lot of reps. Well, A.J. Epinesa shows good ability to utilize his hands, place them, and give him chance to win reps. And I thought on the move, seeing some of that hand combating skills from him, when he's got that one arm going and is able to lift and get the wrists off him and, and dispose of the block and get around him, you can see the path for him to be effective. And he made a lot of plays doing that. I also think that AJ Epinesa has a good sense for rush angles and plays within himself. You know, he's not a bursty, bendy, twitchy pass rusher. That's not who he is. And I can appreciate that he's aware of that and he rushes within himself. He takes good rush angles. He doesn't get loopy very often. There's a few times where you see him kind of get up the field and try to use speed that he doesn't have. But for the most part, he doesn't get loopy. And that gives him a chance to really win as a compression style rusher where you can really collapse and not get too far up the field and, and really just cave things around that quarterback and try to make it uncomfortable for them. And you can see him even at times where his rush stalls out and you know he wasn't able to win with his initial plan. He's able to work back underneath blocks to 
still find ways to execute his rush assignment and stay in his lane and be a complimentary piece of the pass rush plan. So I think he does have a good sense for rush angles and plays within himself. And then the last thing that I I have written down that I liked was that he plays with good effort. There's not times when I watch AJ Epinesa where I feel like he's not trying to pursue with good energy. He's a really good backside run defender. There were plenty of instances where uh, the, the ball went the other direction and he was still able to work laterally down the line of scrimmage and make a play and pursue. And I really appreciated his overall effort, particularly as a backside run defender when I watched his tape. Now, as for the concerns with AJ Epinesa, and I think this is where the limitations really come in. And I think that's why his ceiling is pretty modest, even if he does you know, take another step this year. I'm not sure that he's going to be an overly high impact pass rusher, but he's got modest get off and explosiveness, right? When you talk about pass rush and, and winning, the first thing that a lot of guys talk about is that ability to get off the football, be explosive, and stress that offensive tackle to be able to keep up with you around the outside hip, right? And for AJ Epinesa, he just doesn't have that. He's not a guy that is twitchy or explosive or has a dynamic first step. Those are not things that you would say are strengths of AJ Epinesa, and that makes it harder on him. That makes it more necessary to play with the length and the extension and the power and take good rush angles and be technically sound because he's not just going to be able to run around anybody. And so that's always going to be a limiting factor with AJ Epinesa is that he's just modest, very average and ordinary in terms of get off and explosiveness. Number two is that counters are hard for him. We talked about how his rush plan is predicated on long arms and power and he's not sudden, and he doesn't really have the ability to redirect. And so the counter moves that he can deploy are pretty limited. It's not like he's going to ghost rush and turn that into a dip and rip, or he's going to jab outside and spin back inside. Like That stuff's not, not, not really in the cards for Epinesa. So because of his modest get-off and explosiveness and why he wins, why he finds success as a pass rusher, He just doesn't have a lot in his bag in terms of counters. Now, he uses his hands effectively, keeps them going. They're busy, but you don't see a lot of counters. Number three I have written down is the lack of flexibility to corner. You know, this isn't a guy that has that bend, right? He's not going to be able to carry speed through a tight angle while leveraging his hips and bending his hips to really get around those corners and those tight edges really reducing his surface area, right? Those aren't things he does well. You know, you want to beat blocks. You want to get hands off you. Well, when you struggle to reduce your surface area and you struggle to get around tight corners, it makes it a little bit more difficult. And so generally speaking, I have one more thing to get into here in terms of concerns, but when you have modest get off, when you don't have a lot of twitch, you're not very flexible, there's going to be some limitations that you're going to have that I think you got to have some of that stuff to be a really high-impact guy. And I think that's, in a lot of ways, what limits A.J. Epinesa. So those things, plus just the COVID year, not necessarily um, having the body composition correct over his first couple of seasons, right? That's all impacted his production and his trajectory, but also just things that I don't think are going to get better. I don't think he's going to get explosive or flexible, right? He's not going to be twitchy and sudden. Those things are just not going to be true about A.J. Epinesa. 
And then lastly, there's, there were some instances where I thought he got reached in the run game. And um, you don't want to do that as a defensive end. You want to be able to maintain outside contain and be able to squeeze down your gaps. But there's some times where he just doesn't sense that offensive tackle taking that step to, you know, to his outside and you see him kind of get pinned back inside. And you don't want that. You don't want to get hooked or reached as a defensive end. And I saw that pop up enough times for me to uh, call it out here on this podcast. So that's AJ Epinesa. That's what the film told me about AJ Epinesa in terms of where he wins and why he has success. And then also what those limiting factors are. In just a moment, we're going to do the same thing for Boogie Basham. Just need a quick break. I'll be right back. Welcome back. So what did the film reveal to me about Boogie Basham? We'll get into what I liked and what the concerns are. And honestly, I don't have quite as much to say about Boogie Basham. Um, I watched the same amount of film, but he's a player that isn't much of a mo- of a needle mover. He's not a guy that you watch him play and say, I really can sense him being out there. I can feel him. And when I watch several games of a player and I don't have a lot written down, that's not a good sign, right? But here's what I – this is the biggest observations that I had. With, Bash- with uh, Basham, excuse me, I'm running the names together, uh, at Basham. What I liked, first of all, is his effort. And I've always been complimentary of – his effort and how hot his motor runs, uh, whether you watched him at w- Wake Forest or even during his time with the Bills through two seasons, he plays with maximum effort. And that's important. You can make plays by just trying really hard. That's going to give you a chance. And I think his best plays that he's made to this point in his career have been examples of him playing with outstanding effort. And so, number one, he plays with consistent effort. Number two, I think he does have a good inside move. He has that ability, if he's rushing against an offensive tackle, to attack the B-gap and win. He's got some of that to him. He's a guy that I would like to see play more and rush more in the B-gaps. I think that would give him more opportunities to be successful. Of course, I've said the same thing about Greg Rousseau. So Greg Rousseau first on the reducing inside, then we can worry about boogie dash him but he does have a good inside move and number three is that i think he does have baseline physical traits to be effective he does have good size he does have good length he does have good functional strength he's got more athleticism i mean i I think epinesa would love to have basham's athletic profile but he doesn't (laughs) you know what i mean uh but he does have this baseline of size length strength and athleticism that makes him intriguing And usually that plus high effort gives you a chance to make some plays. When it comes to concerns with Boogie Basham, I think number one is play speed. He just doesn't get it going quick enough. So while he is athletic, his processing speed is below average, and that makes him very easy to block. Modest get off. Modest reactionary ability against runs, right? I mean, a lot of times when you're a defensive end, you're reading what your blocker does, and that's going to tell you what to do and how to respond to that block. That's slow for for Basham. And I don't mean a good way. You talk sometimes about the game slowing down for players. I don't mean it like that. I mean that he's slow to recognize and respond, and that makes him easy to block. 
Number two, and I think very much a product of what I'm trying to get at with play speed being a concern is that he just doesn't have much of a rush plan. And when you're tardy to read the set of the offensive tackle, you're not going to be effective in the National Football League consistently rushing the passer because part of rushing the passer is understanding why the blocker is setting the way that they do and what you need to attack the pocket effectively based on that. And he, it doesn't come together quick for him. So despite having size, length, strength, and athleticism, he robs himself of those attributes by being a slow responder. And then you just don't see very effective hand usage from Basham. A lot of body-to-body rushes, not playing with extension, not doing much to soften rush angles. It's almost like he gets off the ball, into his blocker, looking into the backfield, and then just tries to make a play. That's not not how you play. That's not how you play technically sound, fundamental football. And I think that makes him less effective. Now, he still has an occasional moment because of that, but I think it takes away from his snap-to-snap impact. So I'm you can tell I'm just I'm lower on Basham than Epinesa. And I, I maybe that's pretty obvious, but when you get into it, you study what they've done, you study the film, you can really understand the whys. So what does this all mean moving forward? Well, their development is still important, but I don't think it's as pressing as it was in 2022. 2022, you're going into the season with Von Miller. You love that. Greg Rousseau, who was going into his second season, you're kind of wondering what type of step he was going to take. Then you had Epinesa, Basham, and Lawson. And so, you know, these guys both played nearly 40% of the defensive snaps last year, and you're really thinking their development is critical last year. And like I said, it's still important, but I don't feel the same urgency. Now, ideally, they both be awesome players, right? Like, But I don't know that that's going to happen. And I think that's okay because the Bills are better positioned this year to absorb a lack of development from them than they were last year because they do have Leonard Floyd now in the mix, and they brought back Shaq Lawson. And one thing that I can't stop thinking about is when Von Miller got injured last year, The starter wasn't Epinesa. The starter wasn't Boogie Basham. It was Shaq Lawson. That's who started. That's who the team started over those players. And Shaq Lawson's back in the mix this year. So when you sort out this defensive end situation, you have Von Miller potentially coming off the the pup list, but Rousseau entering year three is different than he was entering year two, plus Leonard Floyd, to go with Lawson who started over Epinesa and Basham last year. In addition to Epinesa and Basham and Shane Ray and Cameron Klein, Kingsley, Jonathan. It's not quite as dire. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm hopeful. I I want these guys to develop and make a big-time impact. I want them to be awesome. But I don't think it's the same in 2022 when you heard Sean McDermott come out and say, it's time for Epinesa and Basham to make their mark on the defense and not in a supporting role. They may not have the opportunity. I don't think these guys both play 40% of snaps this year. I'd say that'd be very unlikely. But obviously, there's big implications for both players. I've mentioned it already. This is a contract year for A.J. Epinesa. Now, do I 
know if the Bills are going to sign him? Do I have any inclination as to what they're going to do with Epinesa? I don't think so, and I don't think you would make a decision like that until after the season. But it's for Epinesa as a football player and him maximizing his earnings potential, this is as big as it gets for him. And I think about another Iowa pass rusher, Anthony Nelson. And I'm sure, I think they probably had a little bit of time together at Iowa because Epinesa is entering year four, Nelson's entering year five. So they definitely had some overlap at Iowa. Well, Anthony Nelson had a very similar career arc as Epinesa did, or he's currently having. Very quiet first two seasons, did next to nothing. Then year three for Anthony Nelson, he had five sacks for Tampa Bay. Then he had five and a half sacks in year four. And then he got a decent deal. He got a two-year, $10 million deal. I'm sure Epinesa is looking at Anthony Nelson's arc and saying, yeah, I'd like to have another five, six-sack season, and somebody will pay me two years, $10 million. For Boogie Basham, step one is making the team. But step two is like, this is year three. And we've heard Sean McDermott talk a lot about year three and how critical that is for players and really knowing exactly who they're going to be in the NFL. Well, I guess we're going to find out with Boogie Basham this year. We saw A.J. Epinesa take a nice step. Whether it's good enough or not to meet the promise of a second-round pick, I don't think I'm going to sit here and endorse that it is. But he took a step and became a quality depth player. Can we get the same thing from Boogie Basham? Because that would be nice. And it's a defining season for him. Is he going to play over Shaq Lawson? Is he going to roster over Shane Ray? There's a lot to pay attention to. It should be very intriguing. And we're going to break that down a lot more tomorrow when we do our edge rusher camp primer type discussion, basically a big thought dump of everything that's on my mind regarding the Bills and edge rushers entering training camp. That's coming your way tomorrow. I hope you enjoyed this. I hope that this um, gave you some more perspective on these two players, what they've shown, what we can expect for them, what's on the line for these players. Uh, I get a lot of questions about Epinesa and Basham, and I've, I've kind of responded to those questions by saying, hey, look, give me a little time. I want to do an entire episode on them. Well, here it is. We did the thing. So hope you enjoyed. Hope you come back for our edge rusher conversation tomorrow to close out this week of Locked On Bills. So take a moment to make sure that you're subscribed. Would love it if you also took a moment to rate, review, and share the podcast. Have a great rest of your day. Go Bills. Look forward to catching up with you again tomorrow.